Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Centuries and Saints, Season 2, Episode 6. This is your host, Scott Matson. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode. We are continuing our series looking at the attributes of God. And so today we are going to begin a three-week look at the love of God. As scripture says, God is love. But there's a lot of confusion in our culture today about what love actually is and actually means. So we're going to get into all of that starting right now. All right. Well, hey, uh, we've been doing a series on the attributes of God. Uh, Just looking at the character and the nature of God as he's revealed himself to us in his word and trying to get a comprehensive view of who our God is, you know, looking at all of his attributes, uh, looking at all of his nature and everything that has to do with him so that we can really truly get to know him and worship him as he's worthy and in spirit and in truth. Um, Okay, so last week uh, we looked at what was called the aseity of God, which again, aseity just comes from a Latin word, and it means God's self-existence. The fact that God did not derive his being or life from anything or anyone else. God is being itself. Okay, God has life in himself. Jesus said that uh, in the gospel of John, that the father has given him, you know, uh, he, he, you know, life in himself basically is what Jesus is saying. Uh, Jesus is claiming to be God, uh, saying that he is God, that he has life and being in and of himself. Okay. And then we also saw how that attribute of God is tied in inextricably with God's eternality. The fact that God is eternal, that not only does he have no end, but he has no origin, no beginning. Okay. That God is from everlasting and to everlasting. There has never been a moment in time where God was not. And in fact, before time existed, because God created time as well, God was there. So God has always been. He is eternal. There is absolutely no point anywhere ever uh, where God is not. Okay, so we looked at that last week, and it's just amazing. It's overwhelming. It's impossible for us to fully comprehend, uh, but hopefully it leads us to just understand who this God is that we love and and to worship uh, him, you know, in, in spirit and truth and reverence and humility. Uh, that was last week. And then the three weeks before that, we looked at the holiness of God. So today we're going to start looking at another attribute of God. And I'm super excited about this. And we're going to begin today uh, looking at the love of God. This is uh, yet another attribute that we see of God in the scriptures. Uh, we're going to be taking a comprehensive look theologically uh, at the love of of God, this attribute of God, with which a lot of us are quite familiar, but I really want to dig deeply uh, into the scriptures. Uh, And I also, what I want to do on this, and this is something that's kind of been on my heart lately, and to be honest, I actually debated about whether or not to begin looking at this attribute of God today, but I really felt like the Lord was saying yes, and like he wanted me to do this. And so uh, to the best that I can discern, that's what the Lord is wanting for today. So uh, that's what we're going to do. Um, What I want to do is I want to avoid what I would call, I don't know how to say this, but I guess I'll just say it. I want to try and avoid um, the sentimentalism, I suppose, uh, that I think is prevalent a lot of times uh, in the church. Um, I want to get away from sort of the mushy, gushy language sometimes it is used to talk about the love of God. And I want to take a look at it more from you know, again, a theological standpoint, the way that we've been looking at these things. Don't get me wrong. 
the love of God is passionate, and it's it's like a a, a warming fire, and, and the emotionalism is there. That's a big part. God made us as emotional creatures, and that's something that you know is very important to our existence and important to our worship of God. You know, in the first and greatest commandment, you know, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, to love God with our heart, emotionally, passionately. Uh, you know, our our love for God and our walk with God is not to be merely, you know, a theological, intellectual, academic pursuit and exercise. You know, sometimes people kind of get that way. I can get that way even if I'm not careful because I love to study and I love to teach these things. Uh, but I don't want to divorce the emotion and the feelings that come along with, you know, the love of God as we're studying it. I don't want to divorce that. So that's not my intention. And that's not what I mean when I say I want to avoid the sentimentalism. When I say that, I guess what I'm trying to say is I just want us to have a biblical ironclad view of the love of God. You know, what it means, what it doesn't mean. Uh, You know, love in our current culture here in 21st century uh, North America a lot of times basically just looks like tolerance and acceptance of everything and God's just a big fuzzy teddy bear up in the sky who would never judge anybody. Uh, That's not true, for one, and that's not even what love is. You know, love, true agape love, is self-sacrifice and it's unconditional and it's giving of oneself for the better of the one that is loved. You know, that's what love is. And we see that exemplified all through the Bible, and most of all, of course, uh, in God incarnate, in Jesus. You know, that love, uh, again, love is not a gushy, mushy, goopy, sort of like emotional, you know, slurpy from 7-Eleven. You know, that's that's not what love is. <clears throat> we see in the Bible uh, what love visually looks like, and it looks like a man stripped naked, beaten and marred and tortured beyond human recognition, dying for his enemies in order to save them and reconcile them back to himself. That's what love is, okay? That's what love looks like visually and literally. And so with that, I just want to kind of keep it, you know, let's let's really dig in meet, into the meat of the scripture and really get, you know, that comprehensive look at what the love of God is and what it means and how passionately and how furiously he loves us. You know, the, the song written by John Mark McMillan, made popular by David Crowder, Oh, How He Loves Us. You know, the first line is, you know, he is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane, and I am a tree. You know, basically just completely toppled over under the weight of his mercy and his love. Brennan Manning, you know, talked about the love of God, you know, being, you know, like we're like a little tiny sailboat out at sea, and the love of God is this massive hurricane typhoon storm, you know, overwhelming us. And that's really what it is. You know, again, all of God's attributes exist 100% in conjunction with all of the other attributes, you know, and so um, this is, you know, anyways, it's just, this is huge. And so that's why I really want to dig in and take some time and take a couple of weeks to really look at this. Okay, so for an introduction today to the love of God, um, I want to start out by pointing out something that we see in literature that is called the meta narrative. Now, the meta-narrative is sort of the overarching, all-encompassing theme that runs throughout the entirety of the story, okay? So, for example, the Bible is one book, one story, but it's composed of 66 books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament, okay? So, now, each book contains history, 
It contains its own lessons, practical application for us. Some of the books contain prophecy. Some of them are more historical. Some of them are more poetic. Uh, Some of them are more based on wisdom. You know, there's different genres of scripture in God's word, you know, different writing genres within the word of God. Each and every one of them is inerrant, infallible. It's the inspired word of God. Well, for example, the general message of the book of Leviticus is different than the pastoral epistle that Paul wrote to Timothy, showing him how the church is to be run and, and the men that are qualified to lead the church. Okay, so those two books, they're both God's inspired word, but they were written originally to different people and they have a different message. Okay, Leviticus is not a manual on how you know, the church is supposed to function in the new covenant. That's not what it is. Now, in Leviticus, we see God giving the sacrificial system and his laws to his people, and we see amazing pictures of the sacrifice of Christ that would happen later on. You know, but again, those, those books are different, okay? Now, again, like I said, the Bible is God's inspired word. It is the word of God. We know that. We believe that. All right, so we see that throughout the 66 books. Each, each book has its own particular message and things that we can learn from it. But when you put all 66 books together as a whole and you have the Bible, there is an overarching theme that encompasses all of the books, and that's called the meta-narrative. And so the question then is, well, what is that overarching theme, that overarching story? Uh, If you ask different people, you know, you'll get different answers, of course. Uh, But at least in my opinion, I think one of the meta-narratives, at least of Scripture, is God's overwhelming love for his creation, and that's manifest through redemption. From Genesis to Revelation, you know, some books, are, it's more obvious, some books, it's more subtle. But in every book, I believe if we look, we can find themes of God's love and God's redemption of his sinful creation woven throughout all of Scripture. So that's one of the big meta narratives: God's overwhelming love for his creation, and that love being manifest through the truth of redemption. You know, in Genesis, you know, God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates Adam and Eve. And the original design for humanity was that, you know, we would have physical bodies, no sin, and that we would live in the garden in paradise and that we would take dominion over it and that we would walk with God in the garden. That was the original design. Now, the book of Revelation ends, again, with man uh, in, you know, the new Jerusalem, you know, you could, you could say, so to speak, the, the Garden of Eden all over again, in a sense, you know, and God dwelling physically once again with his people. Okay, so the story begins and ends kind of in the same way. All right, so we see this overarching theme of God loving his people and God wanting to dwell with his people. Now, we know it doesn't take too long into the story. Genesis 3, man totally messes that up, and we have the fall and sin And, you know, we've done a very good job of completely, you know, doing our best to ruin God's plans. Thankfully, God is infinitely more powerful than we are, and he still gets his work done in spite of us. (laughs) But again, that is one of the common threads running throughout all of scripture is the love of God. And so as one of God's attributes, it's very important that we study, okay? And and that classic verse in John 3.16 Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now it's interesting and it's pretty cool uh, because that scripture, obviously sort of on the face of it 
you know, the, the, the normal interpretation that we give to that scripture, you know, is that, hey, God, this is how much God loves the world. And, and that's true. There's also another way to read that verse, however. And God so loved the world, or this is how God loved the world, by giving his son. It's saying, look, God has shown us how he loves us. What does the love of God look like? It looks like the fact that he gave his son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So there's two ways to look at that. And I think both are beautiful. And both of them exemplify the love of God. You know, in John three sixteen, man, this is how, this is how the father loved the world. So when it says that God loved the world, it isn't just words. Okay, well, how did God love the world? Well, he proved it by sending his son. Okay, and Paul picks that up, of course, in Romans chapter 5. You know, that classic verse that while we were still, you know, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we'll get to that uh, in one of these weeks coming up here and look at that more in depth. But man, that's one of the beautiful things, you know, is that God has proven and shown his love and how he loves us. Again, I think I've made the case, I think it's fair to say that God's overwhelming redeeming love for his creation is one of the overarching meta narratives running throughout all of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, and so because of that, and also the fact that it is one of God's actual personal attributes, we need to study that. You know, we need to study his love. First John 4, 7 through 10 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's 1 John 4, 7 through 10. Uh, You know, the Bible here in 1 John says this, God is love. Again, the Greek word for love there is a word uh, agape. Okay, and we're going to be getting into that, and we're going to be looking at these things more in depth in the coming weeks. But basically, agape is sort of that unconditional love. It's love that's not conditioned on the status of the person receiving the love. You know, it's love that's conditioned on the person giving the love. So, for example, the love of God towards us, you know, is not based on anything in us. It's unconditional. There are no conditions to it. The love that God has towards us is based upon God's character, who he is. And that's very good news for us, because that means that the infinite eternal God has taken his attribute of love and set it upon his people, and it's not based or conditioned on us, which means that even when we're dumb and we mess up and sin, God still loves us, because his love is based on and rooted in his own nature and not conditioned upon us. Okay, so that's unconditional love. So praise the Lord, that's agape love. And it's also love that is committed to the highest good, the, the best good towards the object of the love. You know, we know in Romans chapter 8 that one of the reasons that God saved us, that the Father saved us, was to conform us to the image of his Son, sanctification. Because being made more and more like Jesus is what is best for all of us. Now, sometimes that process is painful, You know, sometimes that's a difficult process, which is why we face trials in life, to refine our faith, to test the genuineness of our faith so that we can see our faith being strong, as 1 Peter says, and that our faith is genuine. Uh, But ultimately, the Lord is making us more and more like himself. And 
again, that process of sanctification sometimes requires difficulty and trial, and it's painful, and that's why we endure those things. But God is doing that and allowing that and actively ordaining those things because of his great love for us, because that is ultimately what is best for us eternally. So that's going to do it for today. Uh, For this introduction to the love of God, we're going to pick this up, Lord willing, next week uh, by looking at some more scripture and delving more uh, deeply uh, into this just vast ocean of goodness that we see in God. So may the Lord bless you guys today. Amen. And thanks again for tuning in to Centuries and Saints. Once again, this is your host, Scott Matson, And I hope you enjoyed this beginning at the look of the love of God in Scripture and from a theological viewpoint. Well, hey, join us again next week. We will be continuing our study of the love of God. And again, as always, please go to the podcast store, leave us a review, rate the podcast. It just helps to get the word out. We really appreciate it. So until next time, this is Scott Matson. May God bless you.